Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing this cold weekend? Ah, oh, that's so... I like cold weather. I don't know, maybe it's because I come from Moy River. This is part of my life. Just reminds me, like, you know, just has a thing in a soft spot in me. Uh, Trish has an announcement. If you've lost a cell phone, uh, please uh, go uh, see her if you've lost your cell phone. Not now, but after church, uh, please go see Trish. <laughs> um, okay, front row, please calm down, order comrades. <laughs> Okay, cool. Welcome to church. Uh, we're going to preach. Um, yeah, we've had such a wonderful couple of weeks preaching about the gospel. As just as a reminder of what the gospel is, the gospel being the center to our faith, being the center to our, to our Christian faith and why what, what we believe as Christians. It is central to transforming our lives and changing uh, our lives. We started off by saying the gospel is the good news all the time. God, the gospel is good news. There's never a moment that the gospel isn't good news. The only time the gospel isn't good news is when you choose to not see the goodness, the goodness of God in, in your situation. And last week we talked about living a gospel-centered life, dethroning. So, you know, last week when, when church finished, people were avoiding eye contact with me. I'm sorry if I... <laughs> Like, I don't want to see you. Um, so we're talking about living a gospel-centered life, that for God to be at the center of our life, we need to dethrone certain idols and Jesus be the center and the gospel be the center. And then, we, if, then we'll live a gospel-centered life when we've dethroned those certain idols. So before we get going, I want you to turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. What is the gospel? Then your neighbor should tell you what the gospel is. <laughs> okay, Daniel, please save them and stop looking at your notes. How dare you? Okay, the gospel is the good news. Come on, awesome. Next time we'll read it with more passion. Okay, before we get going, I want to introduce or reintroduce you to another scripture that I want you to memorize. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Can we read it all together? Then Jesus came... Okay, can we do it again with a little bit more va-va-voom? <laughs> and Jesus all authority Done. This 
is why the church exists. It's the primary reason why the church exists. If Jesus, after his resurrection, hung out with his disciples and said, okay, guys, see you in heaven, we would not have a church. Peter would have just gone back to fishing, lived his life, and would have passed away and went to to be with the Lord. All the disciples would have just lived a life. The church exists because of this scripture. The church main goal and the main purpose of the church is to make disciples. There's a whole lot of fun things we can do, but our main goal and our main purpose as a church is to make disciples. This is why we're here. This is why we have it written up there in very big, big, big letters. (laughs) So that just in case we forget and you're way out, you must remember, go make disciples. That's the main message of the, of, 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 of the church, is to go make disciples. That's our main mission. It is part of the gospel, is that if the gospel is the good news, I'm quoting Pumlani on this one, then it must be shared. In the words of Spider-Man, or Spider-Man's uncle, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> if the gospel is that powerful and it is that great and it's life-changing, then we have a responsibility to share it. Now, I just want to confess to you a little bit before we go on. The part of, if you haven't noticed, uh, parts of the series that uh, I've been trying to slide in there is, yes, we've been trying to remember and, you know, understand what the gospel is, put it back into its place. But another underlining thread I've been trying to push here is that We've been trying to address some of the reasons why people don't share the gospel. We don't share the gospel because sometimes we don't believe it's the good news. We don't believe that it is God's ultimate answer. We don't share the gospel because we're trying to, we have found other alternatives that work for us. We've found other securities that work for us, that give us safety and give us comfort. So. I pray that as we've gone through this series that we remember that the gospel is always the good news. And if there are certain idols in your heart that you have enthroned above God, well, we are, you know, like we said last week, our hearts are idol-making factories. So if there are any other idols that will come and have come that were trying to be de- dethrone God, I hope and I pray that you're equipped to deal with them, to address them, to recognize them, to remember that we live for the glory of one, that we live, our life is in Jesus, that he gives us meaning, he gives us purpose, that we are thankful for the gospel. So this week, I wanna address another topic, the reason why some of us don't really like to share our faith is because we are afraid of answering questions that other people have. We're afraid of being exposed, and I want to address that. So today's sermon title is called, Give a Reason. So, yeah, before we get going, I need some help. Uh, Firstly, open up to 1 Peter 3.15, and keep your finger there. But secondly, I need some help. I need three people who have, who recognized this thing and have actually, like, eaten it. If you recognize it and you've eaten it before, I need your help, please come up. I just need three volunteers. Oh, wow. I'm going to start. I'm, start. Thank you, Sobs. Well done. Okay. There you go. Well done. Awesome men. Okay. All right. So I'm going to need your help. I have three questions that I want to ask you because you eat this. And uh, just give me your best answer, the best answer that you have. <laughs> what does Romans 1.16 say? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of Christ unto salvation. That's not the question. Just hold on to the mic, Mufuzi. <laughs> okay. The question is about this. What is this, by the way? 
It's communion. It's communion. All right. Why do we eat this? Why do we eat this? Uh, it's, scripture says, do it in remembrance um, of what Christ has done for us, of the uh, sacrifice that he made for us. So that's the, the wine that represents his blood, and then the, the bread or the biscuit represents his body. Yeah. Come on. Thank you. Sobs, next question. Hi, Spo. So Mufuzi said, this is the blood, and this is the, this is the bread, the mm. blood, and the body, mm. right? So if we're eating blood and eating bodies, isn't like Christianity affirming and supporting human sacrifices? Can you please repeat that question? <laughs> Isn't? Mufuzi says we eat this in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice. Mm. Like, you know, Jesus died. And then we drink this because it's the blood. Ne? We drink it in remembrance of the yeah. blood that was spilt. And this is the bread that represents his body that was broken. So we eat this because Jesus' body was broken. So if we're doing this, are we commending and supporting human sacrifices? No, so we're not. Must I explain? I don't have to yes, explain. explain. Eh? <laughs> I don't have to explain. Yeah. Give me All a right. reason. Okay, so my reason, because when Jesus was about to go to heaven, he said, do that in remembrance of me. So when we do that, we remember that Jesus was nailed on the cross mm -hmm. and his blood was sprinkled for us, for our sins, washed yeah. away our sins. So we remember what Jesus did. So, Which is a human sacrifice. Um, so, it is, it's for us. Come on, so why is this getting difficult now? <laughs> I will not be intimidated, Dando. <laughs> yeah, but... Look, I can't answer that. I can't answer. Okay. Yeah, I'm on this point. All right, Ngome Zulu, this is the last question for you. <laughs> the Bible says we must eat the bread and drink the wine. Why do we eat wafers and juice? They have oranges and what? Well, the Bible says, drink the wine, eat the bread. Yes. But we are drinking juice and eating wafers. Why? We're drinking juice. This is juice. Yeah. Sweet eight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. You thought it was wine. I mean, like, if you throw some yeast and then leave it for a week, maybe. I don't know. It's in the Bible. <laughs> the wafer and the, and the juice are not in the Bible. Uh, I'll go to the Bible. Um, so we are commanded not to be drunk by wine. Mm -hmm. And that juice is just a symbol of what we're doing in remembrance. And Jesus said, and it was the last time he drank wine before he got to the cross. And I'll never drink wine again until we meet him in the heaven. <laughs> Thank you, guys. First Peter 3:15. But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give. Uh, prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do, uh, do, but do with, but do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give an answer. Okay, I just want to help Sobs out, right? 
we don't believe in human sacrifices. Jesus was not a human sacrifice. We did not crucify Jesus. The, the, the Romans did not say, we are going to kill this guy so we can be forgiven. Come, guys, let's go stone him. That would have been a human sacrifice. They just murdered him. He offered himself as a sacrifice, but we murdered him. Human beings murdered him. He wasn't a human sacrifice. There's a difference. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, we, and we drink and we use this because it is symbolic. Okay, the Bible says we live in South Africa, okay? We would not be giving people wine. <laughs> the main thing is the symbol, symbol, symbolism of it all. So, like, it is important for us to be able to understand what we believe. Know what we believe. Apart from knowing what we believe, all we're doing is rituals. We are taking communion as a ritual. Because everybody, you know what a ritual, you know, everyone does a ritual because there's really no understanding. If, you've, if you grew up in a family that does um, ancestral uh, worship and uh, of, um, ancestral stuff, you know, it's like, we don't have, don't put reason behind this, just eat this. What is it? Uh, uh, eat. What? Eat. You don't, if you don't want to die, just eat. Because it's a ritual. The power is in the eating and the thing. Even sports people understand rituals very better. Like, you know, cricket players are so superstitious. Like, some soccer players will only enter the soccer pitch with their, with their right foot. So they'll go, they're like, okay, we'll go to get ready. Then, oh, that's the line. <laughs> really doesn't make any sense. Why are you doing it? Some rugby, rugby players, before they kick the ball, do this. Why are you doing it? It really doesn't make any sense. It's a ritual. It's something that you do just because you think it's going to give you peace and it's going to calm you down. So if we, do, if we do things without understanding, then we're doing them out of a ritual. We're drinking communion because we're hoping and we're thinking, ah, there's power in this thing. As Christians, we don't do rituals. The, um, the sacraments we perform as Christians are symbolic. It's a symbol. Of, what, of the power of the gospel. It is the symbol of what the gospel is. So when we, when we, when we drink communion, it is to activate our faith. It's to, it's to cause us to remember what Jesus has done. There is no power in the juice here. The power is in the remembering, is in the, remembering, is in the faith. Apart from that, we're just performing rituals. If we're coming to church because we think church is just, you know, it's going to... It's going to bless me. Yes, you're going to feel blessed. It's a byproduct. But why do you feel blessed when you're at church? Why do you feel blessed when you read the word? Why do you feel blessed when you listen to worship music? Because if we don't know the reason why, you'll end up performing a ritual. You'll have your Sunday playlist. If you live at Res, you know those joyous play celebration playlists that just billow through the corridors on a Sunday morning. Why? Because I just need to get into that, get into the spirit. It's a ritual. It's, it has no meaning. It has no significance to it because we don't know what we're doing. We need to understand why and we need to know what we believe. And we need to know why we believe. It says, be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Do you have a reason for this hope? Do you know why you have this hope? When we do uh, DMC uh, courses, there's a question that I always like asking. It just gets people sweating a little bit. So I just must, co must confess, I love seeing people squirm. I should have been a teacher, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this question is like, I always ask people, why are you a Christian? And the answer I commonly get is people will respond with how they became Christian, not why they're a Christian. Why are you a Christian? Oh, I grew up in a Christian home. I used to go to church all the time. At some point, I decided to be serious about my faith. 
So if you grew up in a Buddhist home and you decided to be serious about your faith, would you be a Buddhist now? Guess so. I always going to, I've always been going to church and then I uh, decided, you know what, I need to commit myself. Okay, so if you're always going to mosque and if you decided that you're going to commit yourself, would you make you a Muslim? Here's my favorite. I was born a Christian. What do you mean? I haven't heard that one in a long time. Like, I was born a Christian. What do you mean? Like, I, ever since I was born, that's all I could remember. When we don't know why we believe what we believe, we lose the essence of the gospel. Because there's certain things we will not understand in the gospel. If you don't know why you believe in the gospel, you will never understand the power of sin, the, 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 the nature of sin, the results of sin in the human life. Because we're performing rituals. We will never truly understand the power of repentance we will never truly know what grace is. We must understand why. If you, if, if, if you think that you were born a Christian, that you just shaped up and shipped out, and you were all, all saved and sanctified, then you will struggle to repent. Then you will struggle with self-righteousness because you believe you were born just like made in the radiance of glory. The truth is we're not. We're broken human beings who are in need of a savior. So when we know that we, need, we are in need of a savior, then we're able to know, okay, this is the gospel. When we know why we believe, then we will value this gospel even better, even greater, because we understand. You know what God has done in your life. You know what, you know, what, what change, what transformation God has done in your life. That gives you a reason why you believe in this gospel. We must be able to give a reason for our faith. Oh, I've lost my place here. <laughs> I'm not saying that we should be able to give a theologically sound exposition of what the gospel is all the time, where we must understand incarnation, understand appropriation, when we understand the substitution and all these theological terms. I'm not asking you to do that. I believe that all of us are here because, you know, we did, most of us are here and are call ourselves Christian not because we had this great theory of what being a Christian is. It was explained to you properly. Somebody set you down and let, let me explain to you what happened. In the beginning, there was a singularity. Before the singularity, there was the matrix of, matrix of existence, the all-existent one who holds all of creation into existence, into being. In him, everything comes out of and then we have the world. So we have causality. We and then you get to the end and you're like, oh yeah, makes sense, you know, I believe this stuff. Not, not, not a lot of people came to faith because, of that because that happened. All of us, most of us are here because we had an encounter with, with God in some way or the other. We encountered a living God in some reason or the other. But I'll tell you now, many people will walk away and, will wa and have walked away and will walk away because they don't understand this gospel. When we know what we believe, then we're able to stay. When we started off, I started saying there's a gap. The gap between expectation and reality is called disappointment. When you've expected something else and you're getting something else, then you get disappointed. Then you start making essays and writing things about why the church does not work, why God is not good, why all of this, because you never truly understood what you believed. You never truly understood what the gospel is. There's this term that I'm like noticing late, lately more and more is people saying, um, what's this? You know, you, you're experiencing God. Like, you get to experience God. We will experience God. Like, you know, it's good to experience God. I think it's great. But 
I feel like we should focus sometimes a little bit extra on following, a little less on experiencing. We can never build a firm, your faith can never be, be built on an experience. The Bible is full of people who, he, who got healed, who ate, who, who, who ate fish and bread that were miracles and see saw Jesus coming on a cloud of glory, saw miracles being performed by Jesus, and yet they did not believe because they got to experience God, but they never chose to follow him. When we follow, we will understand. When we follow, we will know. In John 8, verse 31, uh, Jesus says, if you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I know that the world has hijacked this a little bit, but this is the context of it, is that when we know who Jesus is, when we know why we follow him, when we know the reason behind our faith in him, then we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Apart from knowing the truth and letting the truth work inside of us and following Jesus' teachings, we will be performing rituals and expecting something to happen. And then we'll get disappointed the Bible, it says we must read the Bible. It is the power of God. Then whoop, open the Bible. Find a scripture. And you, and you read this and you're like, God, it's not working. Read the fine print. Know why. Understand the Bible. We need to come to a maturity in our faith. We must know the reason why we believe. And secondly, the hope that you have. Give a reason for the hope that you have. It's not mine. I have my hope. What is your hope? Turn to yourself and say, me? What is my hope? <laughs> the reason for your hope in this gospel as a, 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 with church, it's, it's so easy to just be find safety in a crowd. It's so easy to find safety in a crowd that we identify with the movement and then we feel like we belong. Um, I remember a couple of years ago when I used to, when I was a student and we would, uh, I was a sound team leader. And um, it was a very crazy time here in NT. And uh, there's this thing we used to do every time before someone would join the sound team would ask you, why are you doing this? Why do you want to wake up and come to a theater and come, wake up and come to church at 6.30 in the morning and go pick up speakers and put them up? Why are you doing this? And you have random answers. Some people, oh, you know, I just want to belong. You know, I want to do something positive. Okay, so the reason is because you want to do something positive. So now when it doesn't feel like you're doing something positive, are you going to leave? When we do things for the wrong reasons, we'll, not, we'll never stay. We must have the right reason for our hope. It is our hope. We need to own it. When we understand the gospel and we know that it is my hope, I take responsibility for it. Therefore, I am responsible for my spiritual growth. I am responsible for growing closer to God. It's my personal thing. I own it. When we read the Bible and it says go, it's not like, ah, we are going to go. No, I am going to go. Because it's mine. I own it. I hope none of us, when we got baptized, we were like, you know, I like to tell everybody that um, I choose every nation, Deben, as my Lord and Savior. And then we're like, Wink. I hope we didn't do that. We said, I choose Jesus as my. It's a personal thing. We own it. So let's start owning it. Often we come up with this, we, 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 we say stuff like when we see something happening in the world and there's brokenness and there's all, all sorts of upheaval happening, then you have someone who brings up you know, a comment and says, the church must do something. The church. Guys, go do something. 
if we believe that Jesus, the gospel, is the ultimate answer to the world's problem, right? We believe that God called us, we believe that God saved us, and he has brought us here for such a time as this, then surely we are called to act. Then surely we are called to do something. Then surely we are called to take responsibility for our faith. We are, we are, we're called to take responsibility and go do what Jesus said. There was something that, you know, amazed me when we had the, the riots happening in Durban, when streets were burning, chaos was just happening, and you're like, what is happening? Because it just came out of nowhere. Then looting everywhere. Then the following day, you know how the news reports stuff, right? They like to look for the sensational thing. They were just shooting some a street, and then there was a group of ladies walking and praying. Because they decided when the streets were burning, I know where my hope is. Yeah. I, know what the, I know the source of power. I know what I believe. Yeah. And I'm going to choose to take a stand. I'm going to choose to walk those streets and pray. Then you have people who decided, you know what, we're going to clean. We're going to look after our neighbors. We're going to do that. You know? because, we took, because we take responsibility for the faith that we have. We cannot aggregate our Christianity to a group of people. Oh, Subs invites people to church. Wayne preaches very well. Asipe leads Connect Group really well. Then we're good. No, we are all called. We, church, let us believe and expect that God is going to use you. Be expectant. Don't just be available. God, I'm available. You know, if you need something done... I'm just here, you know, find me in the streets. Just call me, I'm available anytime. Be expectant that God will use you. And if God has not used you in the past six months, then who can they off? <laughs> really, honestly. Because that's what God is about. There's never a time where God is like, ah, you know, just get busy doing something. I'm, I'll... I'll call you some other time. You know, the, God is always ready and able. The only problem is that we choose to be like distracted and we focus on other things and we move away from what God is doing. If we truly know what the gospel has done in our lives and we truly know the change that God has transformed and we truly know that we've been forgiven, you will live differently. You will live differently when you know that God has pulled you out of depression. And when you see somebody who's depressed, you don't go, oh, no, shame. It's going to work out one day. I know that this hope that I have has transformed my life. So therefore, it's my responsibility to share it with you. I, it doesn't matter if this person wants to take it or not. But I'll share if we truly know what God has done in our life, then we should be, we should be willing and able to share. I bank with F&B, right? My money's there. We'll have a cordial relationship with them. <laughs> and if someone was to come and ask me, you know, I'm looking for a bank, what bank can you recommend? I'll say, ah, man, I'll go for F&B. You know why? Because I, my money's there and I've had good experiences with them, we're cool. Same thing with the gospel. Where's your hope placed in? And when someone is without hope and they're looking for hope, then we should be confident in sharing this hope. We don't need to be eloquent. We don't need to have all the answers. The, pre the problem is that sometimes we put pressure on ourselves thinking we need to have the answer. Every answer must be deep and it must be philosophical. It must solve all your world's problems. No, 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 no. Share the hope that you have. You might not know the answer, but you know the, three, the two most significant answers. Jesus changed my life, so he can, he can do the same for you. Those are the only two that, ma that matter. If someone is asking you about evolution, pre-creation, wada, 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 I'm not really sure. All I know is that Jesus saves my life, and he can do the same thing for you. All I know is that I encountered God and my life was never the same. You can be, he can do the same thing for you. One of my best 
comebacks and reason for faith, which is what we call an apologetic I've ever heard in my life, is in John, John 9, verse 20, 25, when Jesus heals this blind person, and then the Pharisees come around him, and they'll be like, why? How did you get healed? And there's this big inquisition that's going on. They're like, Jesus has sinned. He's healed on the Sabbath, blah, 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 blah. It's a whole big deal. And this, they get this guy, and they bring him in, and they ask him questions, and he's like, hey, look, I don't know. Just gives a simple answer. Whether he, he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> is the earth young or old? I don't know. <laughs> but all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. Because it's not about intellectual answers. It's not about giving good philosophical argument. It's about helping people to encounter the living God. To encounter the one who can change your life. So let us be confident in this gospel. Let us be able to take responsibility for our faith. You know, being taking responsibility for your faith means you are responsible for your personal growth. You're not looking for the church to help you and be like, ah, you know, I wish somebody can teach about money. No, it's your faith. It's your hope. Go learn about money. Go learn what the Bible says about money. And when you've learned, go teach somebody. There's a time that often, you, uh, it doesn't happen anymore. I wonder why. But often there's always a person in church that always says, I'm leaving. They call me, we have a serious meeting, I'm leaving. Okay, why are you leaving? People are not friendly. Oh, okay, what happened? You know, this friend of mine, they did this, this other person, they did this, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, wow, and you've seen all of that. Yeah, so I'm leaving. I wonder maybe God is showing you all of that because you need to do something about it. Wayne can't see everything. It's not his responsibility to fix every problem in the church. <laughs> we, don't have a co- we don't have a connect group in this other part of town, so therefore I'm leaving. We're not doing what we're called to do. Who's we? Take responsibility for our faith. It is our hope. You take it's mine. Take responsibility for it. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus and do what he said. Maybe you're called for such a time as this. Maybe you'll come to this church with people who sing off tune for such a time as this because you know how to sing. And you're sitting there and wondering, why can't they sing better? That's because you're sitting there and you can sing and you're doing nothing about it. The people in this church are not friendly. You are included. Be friendly. We don't do much outreach. When was the last time you organized one? We don't, we don't, we don't. You are called for such a time as this. Be confident that God can use you. Don't think so little of yourself that you should wait and sit down and expect someone else to do something better. The spirit of the living God is inside of you and he has called you for such a time as this. He has called you to such a broken world. He has called you to such a community that you can add so many tags that you don't like about it and you see them because God has put that in your heart to do something about it. Maybe it's just even to organize a prayer meeting. Sport throws shade every time he preaches. Pray for him. (laughs) Because why? Because God has called you here. This is your church. It is God's church ultimately, but this is your body. This is where God has called you to. You take responsibility for it. And you partake in it. 
We can't sit back and wonder and wonder why things are not going all right. We must be part of the solution. You are part of the solution. We're the ones we've been waiting for. And finally, do give a reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. You know, in context to the scripture, it's talking about living with non-believers, that when you have <clears throat> altercations with them and then you have to give them a reason for the faith and the hope that you have, you must do it so with hope, with respect and gentleness so we can live at peace with others. But there's a, I feel like there's another reason why we should give reasons. We, we should be gentle and have respect to other non-believing people is because, you know, God really cares more about people's souls and less about being proven right. Like, we can win arguments and lose souls. There's this trend on YouTube and people do this all the time, like, it's really annoying. I was like, so-and-so destroys young atheist. So-and-so destroys LGBT, excuse me, blah, 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 blah. Like, destroys. Is that what Jesus would do? Jesus is not insecure. God is not insecure about who he is. Just because certain people don't believe he exists doesn't mean he doesn't exist. He's not Tinkerbell. His heart is for the lost. His heart that everybody may come to the knowledge of him. We are all made in God's image. We bear the image of God, but we're not all his children. So there's value in every single person. There is value in the person that you encounter that you look at and you be like, yeah. Sunday to Sunday, that's all they do, drink, drink, drink. There is value in that person. And it, it doesn't please God that we think, oh, you are sinning, so therefore I'm not sinning, therefore I'm better. Hey, oh, thank goodness I'm not that person. When Jesus sees people that are broken, his heart was broken with compassion because he was more concerned about the person than being proven right, than being seen as a superstar, than being seen as, you know, oh, yeah, you, what you're saying is right. It's the coolest thing. It's the trendiest thing. I've grown to a point where when a celebrity decides they have an encounter with God and they're going to publicize it and they're going to share it, gone to a point where I just like I celebrate yay well done on you great but it doesn't really like do anything for me because sometimes we look to other people and because they believe it yay therefore what I believe in is also valid which means if somebody doesn't believe the same thing that I believe in therefore what I believe becomes invalid so whenever we speak I must win this argument because if I lose it my faith is invalid The gospel will never be invalid. It's not dependent on our wisdom and our arguments. We don't need to prove anything to anyone. Our duty is to share, is to love the lost, is to have compassion upon them. Like, I have compassion upon you. you went, regardless of how people argue and how much they get all red in the face and all of that, but behind all that argument and all that pomp and whatever, there's a human soul that is broken. And God loves them as much as their mother does, or even more. Just to grow, grow to a close, I just want to share a story, scripture. It's in Acts 10. You don't have to go there. I'm just going to... Uh, paraphrase it for you, and I just want to highlight a few things in there. So in Acts 10, what happens is there's a centurion whose name is Cornelius. He, is, he believes in God, he prays, he, he does all the right stuff, and then he has this encounter with an angel, 
appears to Cornelius, and then in verse, in verse 4, it says, you know, the angel appears to Cornelius, and, he, and it says, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as, an, as a memorial offering before the Lord. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is, uh, okay, sorry, my brain's going fried a little bit. Bring back a, name, a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tenor, whose house is by the sea. So Cornelius is a good guy. He's a great guy. Romans are horrible. They killed Jesus. But he is not one of them. He is a good guy. He gives offerings to Jews. What God does for Cornelius is that he says to him, your prayers and your offerings have, been, have come up to heaven as a, as, as, a, as a memorial offering. Now send men to Peter. He's a good person. But God says to him, send men to Peter to go get Peter so Peter can come and share the gospel with you. Why? It's not about being good. It's not about being good. Trust me, I'm, I can tell you now. Personally, it's not about being good. Like, growing up, I hardly missed a day in school. Like, in my whole 12 years of schooling, I probably missed less than five days of school. Oh, no, except for that one week, I was actually sick, so I was bedridden. I've never really smoked anything. (laughs) Never been drunk. Honestly, never, ever been drunk. Yet I still needed Jesus. Because people can be good on the outside, but be dead on the inside. Jesus did not come to make good pe- bad people good. He, come, he came to make dead people live. God's heart is that we may live. That we may know him. In him we have our being. In him we have life. In him we become transformed, we become renewed. And then he calls on the likes of Peter. And he says, go find a person there. His name is Peter. Bring him here so he can share with you something. Go find Sobs. Go find Mukosi. Go find Nkumanis so he can share. Now you find a Peter who really does not have good reviews for the Roman centurion services. After that whole crucifixion thing and the nails and the spear shoving on the side and the mocking and the flogging, he will not be going to hello Peter and be saying, these guys are great, they look after my neighborhood really well, I would love to speak to one of them and share them, with the, <laughs> share them the good news about our Lord and Savior. No, he wouldn't. He had many reservations about the Romans. He's a Jew. The Romans were oppressing the Jews. He's a Christian. The Romans killed Jesus. He had every right to say, "Eh, you know what, God, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. Miss me on this one. But he chose to lay down all his prejudices, all the reasons for not going all for the reasons for, to be rude and disrespectful to Romans, to look down upon Romans, to think, that, think less of Romans, to think whatever, 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 and be like, you know what, God, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to obey you. God has placed us in this city. He has placed us in these streets, in these neighborhoods, in these businesses, in these schools for such a time as this. And there are people who have been praying for many people that are lost. There are people whose prayer offerings have been going up as a memorial before God. And he's saying, go and go share this gospel with them. Because God wants to see them come to life. God is not satisfied with us being, the world has tried this. We have tried John Lennon's thing. Imagine a world where there's no peace, there's no religion, or we could be together as one. Let's try and love each other. For heal the world. Make it a better place for you and for me and the whole entire human race. We're failing. It's not happening. Instead, we're coming up with 
In, in, our, in our search for tolerance, we're becoming more intolerant. In our search for peace, we're becoming more violent. In our search for connectivity, we're becoming less connected because we're dead inside. All our good works are coming up as filthy rags, and they do not meet the standard. What, what, how, what good is good enough? Goodness can never get you anywhere. Because you'll become self-righteous in your goodness, and then you look down upon other people, then you'll, you'll become prideful. The gospel is the hope of the world because it changes people from the inside out. And we have been given this great commission to go and make disciples. We can't sit as a church and wonder what the will of God is. You can wonder what the will of God is for your life, about who to marry, about where to work, about what to eat, but you can't wonder about the will of God when it comes to the lost around you. It is clear. There's no two ways about it. God loves the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him might not perish. Can we stand to our feet? I just want to close off the series by reading the scripture. Can we all close our eyes? Romans 10, 14 to 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm, I'll be with you always till the very end of the age. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at enderban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.